My name is Gerald Morris. I'm the Director of Missions of the Tuckasegee Baptist Association. Uh, we, there's 33 uh, churches in the association throughout Jackson County. And what my job is, bring the churches together so we can do more uh, than we ever could apart. And so uh, God's doing a mighty work through the association. And you guys, it's great that you guys are in the association and I can come and help you guys out. Uh, one of the things I do is when churches, uh, the pastor leaves, is come to the church and help the church uh, as they go through that path. That, uh, and sometimes it's scary, sometimes uh, you don't know what's going on, because, but God's in control and God's in charge. And I've seen churches, uh, several churches during my time uh, with the association go through this time, and, and you know what? God surprises. You know, I found out God likes just to show off sometimes, and God's going to show off in this church. I know that. Uh, because you guys just trust in Him and hold on to Him uh, because He is a gracious and good God. Uh, just to tell you really quickly some of the things we do in the association. Uh, this year has been, been a busy year. Uh, we've, uh, we went on three different mission trips, and I love taking people on mission trips. Every trip I've been on this year, it was the first tri- mission trip that somebody's been on in the tree. I had a pastor tell me on one of our trips, he said, Gerald, I've never been on a mission outside of Jackson County. And he was so excited, he's already planning on going next year. Uh, but to, uh, what we went on is, uh, we first went to Eubank, Kentucky, up in the uh, central part of the state, and went up there, and, and we've been collecting for about uh, five years now literature from all the churches and, and Christian books and Bibles. If you've got Bibles that you're not using, uh, please send them up to the association office, and we will send them overseas uh, through uh, this BookLink International. Thank you. And uh, what they're doing is they send these overseas in these 20-foot shipping containers. Right now, they've got one container that they're, they're packing to go to Zimbabwe, and they're getting another container ready to go uh, to Zimbabwe. You might say, well, can they read English? Yes, the Lord is mighty. There are a lot of people in these countries. They want to be like America, uh, in, like in uh, Zambia, where they send a lot of it. To get a government job, you have to know English. So they learn English to get a government job so then they can read the gospel of Jesus Christ in English. So uh, we collect that material. We took it up to uh, Eubank, Kentucky and spent two days up there packing the material. And, and we first thing is sort it because they are very careful about what they send because uh, we're not going to send any junk up there and people send all kinds of junk. And we take it and uh, sort through it and we go through the books to make sure they're good and, and Christian books that are just telling the truth and the word of God you know, if it doesn't believe the Bible is the Word of God, it goes in the trash very quickly. And then we pack it in material, we pack it in boxes very tightly, and we wrap it in uh, plastic to keep it from getting ruined as it gets shipped over there. Uh, but this God is using it. They've been they've sent to the Philippines, to India, uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Zambia, uh, several other countries throughout the years. So we went up there on a two-day trip and, and helped out there. And I'd love to take you guys next year because every summer we go uh, to Booklink. It is a blessing. And then we went on a three-day trip to the Kentucky Speedway as 100,000 fans flocked into the Kentucky Speedway where it used to be a cow pasture becomes the third largest city in all of Kentucky for a whole weekend. And the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people flock into that area and there was over 200 people with the Kentucky Raceway Ministry that weekend sharing Jesus Christ. I love their, their ministry there. Uh, we've been involved with it a few different times, but uh, they, they go out and they believe in God. You know, it's, it's amazing. These guys actually believe God does big things. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I think they said, well, we're going to pass out Bibles, and I think they pass out a few thousand Bibles, and, 
And they said, we're going to get big on this. We're going to ask for God to send us 5,000 Bibles. And they passed out all those Bibles last year. And you know, they were foolish enough to ask God to give them 10,000 Bibles this year. You know what God did? Give them 12,750 Bibles. Isn't that the way God is? Like I said, He likes to show off some people. And, uh, you know, every time uh, JT is the one that's in charge of it, if you saw him, he'd walk up and say, how many Bibles are you giving out yet? And uh, so we were out passing Bibles. They, stu- they put us in the, uh, the, the kids' zone there as we worked with the kids. And uh, some of them did face painting. Some did painting the girls' nails. Uh, I did balloon animals. I did like 200 balloon animals in just a few hours. But it was all about sharing Jesus, to draw them in where we could share Jesus. Uh, some of our group would just grab handfuls of Bibles and disappear into the crowds. Avery Brown was on a mission. I tell you, we'd, we'd see Avery for just for a moment as he'd come get more material, and then he'd disappear out into the crowds, and a little while later he was coming back. So we, we went up there, and that's been a blessing. And I said, everybody that's went said, we're going back. And then we, just a few weeks ago, got back from a nine-day trip to Vermont. You might say, why are we going to Vermont? I want to tell you, Vermont is the least church state in the whole nation. There are 43 Baptist churches in all of the state of Vermont. To give you a, a, a kind of a, an idea about that, there's almost 70 in Jackson County alone. There's, last survey they did, they did, they said there was 4% claimed to be a Christian. 4%. We went up to St. Johnsbury, it's about two-thirds of the way up. Uh, it's, it's about 45 minutes from the Canadian borders. We went up there to serve and, and help out at a soup kitchen. And, and they're, they're planning a church there in St. Johnsbury. You know, it's about an hour between Baptist churches, or not even Baptist church, just Bible-believing churches. We went on Sunday morning to Newberry uh, Church, and I was talking to the pastor, and he said, Gerald, you know, we've got St. Johnsbury, they're planting up here, but the, the next, not Baptist, just Bible-believing teaching church, is about an hour from here. Now, an hour apart from these churches. To give you an idea of St. Johnsbury, we were talking to the guy that's starting the church there in St. Johnsbury, and he said, I want to give you a little idea of the spiritual condition here. He said, you see all those, those, those steeples up on the hill there? And I said, yeah. He said, one of those is South Congregational Church. He said, that, that church's pastor is a woman, and she's also a Buddhist. I said, what? He said, yes, she is a Buddhist. She's supposed to be a Christian and a Buddhist at the same time. To give you another picture of that, we went out just a little ways out of St. Johnsbury, and, and I, had, I had done some research on this, and I took the group. I said, I want to show you something. We went down this little gravel road and turned the hill there. Beautiful, picturesque scene there, the nice, beautiful pasture. And there was a just beautiful little white church. You know, the church that you think about when you think of Vermont, and we pulled up, and I said, I want you to take a little closer look. And we went into that church, and it's the dog chapel. Guys, this church was built for dogs. It even has a little doggy door in the front. You walked in, and the pews on the ends of the pews were the shape of a dog. You looked in here, and there was post-it notes and little notes all over every space in the walls. And it was, you walk up, and it says, I love you, Fido. I, I miss you, and I wish you'd come back. It was a shrine to dogs, people. That is where we're at in, in our country today. So that's why we went to Vermont. We got a blessing there as we served in the soup kitchen. I want to tell you, that was a wonderful blessing. We went, and, and everybody that was a leader there would take us aside and say, I want to tell you something. We're not here serving soup and sandwiches. We're here sharing Jesus. They're going to get hungry tomorrow. Later on today, they're going to be hungry. We're here to share Jesus. So they kept telling us, said, look, as soon as the 
the crowd dies down a little bit, we'll take over from serving. We want you out there sharing Jesus with these people as they're eating. What a blessing that was to share. We even found out by the first day that we weren't there just to share with the clients that came to eat. About There was only three uh, workers there that was there all the time. The rest of them were there because of court order service. They do community service. So we were witnessing to the workers there that day. But we also were bolstering and you know, encouraging the people that were there. The pastor at Newberry, we went Wednesday night and he had me preach for him on Wednesday night. And he, he come and he said, Gerald, it's just been such a blessing to know some of you guys down south are praying for us. Amen. That's a mission field. So that's what we do. And, and one other thing I'll tell you is we've got uh, September 13th. I'm excited. We've got international missionaries coming from the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. We've got one from Peru. Uh, one from, uh, he served at Nicaragua and Chile. Well, it's uh, couples that are coming. Uh, we've got one that's coming uh, from, how many of you know Michael Moore? He's back in the country and he's going to help, he's going to tell about his service in China. And then we've got another couple that's coming from uh, East Asia. They can't even tell me what country they serve in because it's that tight and that secure. So we've got great things going on in the association. I'm excited about what God is doing as our churches come together to serve God better than we ever could apart. So that's, that's my spiel about the association. Let's get to what I'm here for. I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 4. I want you to look in Joshua chapter 4 this morning, and I want us to remember the past, but I want us to also look to the future. We've got to always remember our past. Some people want to throw their past away. But it, that's your anchor. But we need to always looking to the future. Because God is not done with uh, old Savannah Baptist Church yet. He's not done with you. Right. I, I tell you, I, I talked to the uh, senior adults and I want to tell you something. God's retirement plan is glory land. He don't let you retire. I, it's amazing to me that people say, well, I'm too young to serve. I, I, going on these mission trips has been a blessing. I've taken people from 8 to 88 on these mission trips. And what a blessing it has been to see people just get excited about sharing Jesus. You know, my daughter, it was, it was just beautiful. As I gave each one of them on that Sunday night. We had a devotion each night. And I give them a track and a little card that's got Romans 6.23 on it. And I said, listen, I want you to give this out tomorrow while we're sharing. And it was beautiful to see her as she... Gave one card after another. You know, by Thursday, I couldn't give any cards out. Because if I pull one out, somebody said, I already got one of them. Some of your people give it to me. I said, all right. But we went over, right, Thursday was the last day we were there to serve. And there was a man there that had refused a card already that week. And my daughter was sitting there witnessing to that man. And I want to tell you something. Uh, He was a big fan of the Grateful Dead. Had went to a lot of their concerts. And if you know anything about the Grateful Dead and their fans... They do a lot of LSD. And I believe this man had done a lot of LSD and he was in a little different world than we were in. But she talked to him and shared Jesus with him and he was so distant to her. But she said, "I want, please, would you take this card with you and read it? I don't know. She said, would you please take it, sir? Take that card and put it in your pocket and read it later. I want you to pray for that man. I don't even know what his name is. But I want you to pray that that man will come out of the fog of LSD and read the Word of God and be touched in his heart. Because a young lady stepped out of her comfort zone and shared with a man that, I mean, that's kind of scary, isn't it, in a soup kitchen. So 
So I want you to get excited about what God is doing. But here in Joshua chapter 4, it said, It came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spake into Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. And command ye them, take you saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest stood firm, <coughs> twelve stones, and you should carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of the, every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when you your children ask your fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them uh, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan and as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them into the place that, where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest, which bare the Ark of the Covenant, stood. And they were there unto this day. Amen. For the priest, which bare the Ark, stood in the midst of the Jordan, until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto his people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priest in the presence of the people. Let us pray. God, we come, we just thank You that You allow us to read Your Word. God, we thank You that we can trust it from beginning to end. I ask You, Lord, that You would be with me today, that I would speak Your Word and Your Word only. God, please touch each heart here, change each heart Lord, just fill this place with Your Spirit. Yes, Let us Lord. see You today. Yes. Lord, I pray in Your precious, holy, and righteous name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, I want you to see here again. I want you to talk, we'll talk to you about remembering your past, but also looking to the future. What, where we're at right here is these guys have been spending <coughs> 40 years in the wilderness. They have been wandering around because of their disobedience. And then they get to the, they're getting near the promised land. And it's time for Moses to go on. Like I said, he retired, didn't he? He retired up on top of that mountain and God took him home. So here we were, we've got a new leader in Joshua. They're going into the new land. They've been in that wilderness for so long and now they're tired and they're weary and God is going to take them in to the promised land. But we've got a problem. We've got the Jordan River. And the way I understand it was like the Tuckasegee, but maybe even bigger. And you read that story as a beautiful story of faith as they looked at that Jordan River. And it was that flood stage. It was raging river. It was just moving mightily, just washing down through there. And those uh, priests had to step into that water just to see it stop. Only when their feet touched the water did the water stop and God allowed them across that Jordan River. But in preparation for that, God said, i got something for you, Joshua. I need you to do something. And here in verse 5, you see, so Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord God. So he took 12 men, one of each tribe, and he said, I want you to pass over, and I want you to get in the middle of the river, and I want you to take up a stone, 
and put it on your shoulders, and we're going to take it, and we're going to make a memorial out of it. What I understand, this was not a little pebble. He didn't say take a handful of rocks. He said take a stone and put it on your shoulder, and they carried it probably about 10 miles into the promised land. And when they got to the campsite that night, they set up a memorial there. I want you to see here, God said, I want you to remember the history. He tells them there, He said in verse 6, that it might be a sign for you that when your children ask the fathers in the time say, what mean these stones? So in the, in the future, they're going to see this pile of stones and these kids are going to say, Daddy, what's that about? Right, and that gives you an excuse to say, well, son, let's talk a minute about what God has done in our history. I want to tell you about the time that they had wandered for 40 years. Our fathers had wandered for 40 years because of their, their disobedience. But God did not forget them. He took them into the promised land that we live in today. And this memorial is here to tell us about the day that He stopped the waters. Let's go to the Jordan, son. Look at this water here. See how rough this water is? How dangerous it is? I want to tell you, one day God took, as the priest stepped into the water, the waters... Cut right off. Well, Daddy, I heard about the Red Sea. Don't forget about this one, son. This one's the one that brought us into the promised land. I want you to remember your church history. I want you to remember the, the history of old Savannah Baptist Church. What a long and beautiful history this church has. In my, in my office, I have a, a, a cabinet that I have to stay away from because it will, it will steal my time. And I want to tell you, you guys stole some of my time this week because I got into that cabinet. I love history. But this, this uh, cabinet has all of the, or most of the records all the way back to the 1850s when the association got started. So I was looking in that record, that cabinet, and there's a, a book in there in 1979 they put together. And it, it, was, it talked about all the different churches. And I looked up old Savannah Baptist Church. Let me tell you a little bit about your history. In March the 28th of 1835, there was some men of God came together and said, we need a church in the Savannah community. And they prayed about it and they, they formed Savannah Baptist Church. Not right here exactly, but somewhere close to here. They, they built a log cabin, or a log building, and they, they had split bench seats. They took a log and they split it in half, put legs on it. No back, no padding. Sorry, guys. This pew didn't have any padding. I always thought that made a difference about sliding over. You didn't slide over too much in those things, did you? But you know, they, they built this church on God. You know, one of the first members that they, uh, one of the, uh, the pastors, the preachers that helped form this church was Humphrey Pro Posey. Now you might be like my wife. I mentioned that and she said, I don't know, what are you talking about? Humphrey Posey uh, is a name that comes up. I looked it up in the... I've got a book that was written in the 1950s that is a history book on the Baptists of North Carolina. I look back there and there's, there's several pages on Humphrey Posey. Now who is that? That's one of your forefathers that started this church. Humphrey Posey was the first missionary to the Cherokee Indians. He, he, was, a, he was a great man of God that started churches all over western North Carolina. I don't know how these guys did it, how they moved around he talked about preaching here at this church. I mean, guys, this is a, a history book that's not just about Jackson County. But he talked about him preaching here, and he went back to, I think, around Catawba County and preached at his church there. I, how in the world did he do it? He didn't have a car to get in. But that man was a man of God, and he believed in reaching whoever didn't know Jesus. 
And that's why I went to the Cherokee Indians. That's why I came to this community of Jackson before there were hardly any churches here and said, we need to share Jesus in this area. Humphrey Posey was uh, an amazing man as he went all the way to Washington, D.C. to fight for the Cherokee and try to stop the Trail of Tears. What an amazing man that was. And he is in your history. He helped start this church. I looked and I kept reading about it. And this church is the mother church to Little Savannah, Locustville, Greens Creek, East Fort, New Savannah, and Liberty Church over in Macon County. And maybe some others. Like I said, that, that stopped in 1979. This church has a beautiful history. Don't you forget it. Don't ever forget what God has done in this church. Amen. Remember the people of the past. Remember your former pastors and, and, and pray for them. And, and thank God that God has sent you some pastors that have brought you along to where you are. Don't forget them. Set up those stones. Pick up that stone and set it as a memorial and say, here it is. I I forgot I was going to look this morning for what I understand, and I don't know if it's this building or what, but they said the hearth stone, or not the hearth stone, but the stone that arches across the the fireplace in the old church was put in the rock rock wall of, maybe in this building, I'm not sure. Does anybody know? It's in the foundation of this church. That's a memorial stone. Don't forget what God has done in this church. Just always remember that God has moved in a mighty way in the past and He will in the future. But I want you to see something in verse 9. When I was working on this, this this jumped out at me here. And I was like, Lord, what's going on? And Joshua set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan in a place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they're there to this day. Now wait a minute. God told Joshua to pick, get some guys to pick up some stones, put them on their, their shoulders, and take them to where they camped that night. And that was, a, that was for all of Israel. To, to a memorial for them to always remember. But I think old Joshua said, I want my own memorial. So he started, he placed a memorial right there at the feet of the priest, right in the middle of the Jordan River. I said, well, Lord, what, what's going on? He said, that, that memorial out here at the campsite was God's. That one in the middle of the river was Joshua's. I want you to remember your history. I want you to remember when God saved you. I want you to remember and place in your mind where the day that you met Jesus Christ. I can tell you this old farm boy that was so backwards and he was shy that there ain't no way he could preach in front of you, this crowd got saved in 1982 at Oak Grove Baptist Church in Thickety, North Carolina on a day that they were electing deacons. I'm probably the only person that ever got saved during a deacon election. Because I, I'm, I'm stupid, people. I fought God. And for every week I would stand there, and I believe if you found the right pew, you'd find my fingerprints. As they would sing a hymn, I would hold on to that pew and look over at somebody's hymn. I wouldn't dare hold one of them things. Because it might convict me, but I'd look over there and say, good, one more verse. And I'd get done, I'd get out that door as soon as I could. I made it another Sunday. Isn't that stupid to think that I did something good by refusing Jesus? But that day was different. We got done with the hymn, and I thought, oh good, we can, I can get out of here. And, I, and the preacher says, everybody sit down, we're having a deacon election today. You know what God did? He put me in the closet just with him that morning. As he, the preacher said, we're going to have a time of prayer 
All I could do was sit with God. And the next thing I know, I, God has convicted me so much and I didn't have any excuse. I didn't have anything to distract me. The next thing I know, I'm standing in front of that preacher. I think I scared him to death. He had his head bowed, sitting in the, up here in the front. I walked up and said, i got to get saved. Amen. And he said, yes. And he jumped up and led me to the Lord that day. That's my, that is my memorial in the River Jordan. I know that day when the old devil starts putting doubt in my heart, I say, shut up, devil. Let me take you back to that day. Amen. Hallelujah. I could almost take you back to the spot, but they built on to the back of the church and moved the altar. But I know it was in the altar of Oak Grove Baptist Church I got saved that day. And I want to tell you something. The devil will try to make you doubt. He'll try to put doubt in your mind. You take him back to that day and say, there it is. Shut up, fool. I'm going to serve my God. Take him back to that day. Old Joshua would take his grandkids back, his great-grandkids, and say, you see that pile of stones in the Jordan River? I want to tell you, that's the day that I went from death to life. I went from sin to salvation. Don't you ever let anybody tell you any different. If you've given your heart to Jesus, He can't lose it. You are in the hand of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the devil lies to you about, He cannot pluck you out. I can't understand these people who say you can lose your salvation. How in the world could that... All that means is the devil's stronger than my Jesus? Uh-uh. Take Him back to the day that you were saved and say, Satan, shut up. I don't need to hear you. Right here is my memorial stone. This is the day I got saved. You know, I think about old John the Baptist. People say, well, doubt, you know, doubt is a sure sign you're not saved. Old John the Baptist doubted, didn't he? Got there towards the end of his life and he was sitting in prison. He knew it wasn't going well. Old Herod had killed his own brother, his own son. Killed his wife. Killed all these people. And here old... John the Baptist was sitting there and he sent some of his disciples and said, listen, I need you to go do something. I need you to go find out if Jesus is the Messiah. If that's not doubt, people, I don't know what he is. He preached that this is the Lamb of God. This is the one I don't even deserve to unlatch his sandals. He had preached this is the Messiah. And at the end of his life, he said, go find out. I need to know for sure. Now, did Jesus get on to him? Did Jesus say, well, that man, I tell you what, he said, no, tell him what, he, what you've seen in her. Right. Tell him that he's seeing, you're seeing miracles done. Tell him I am the Messiah. You know when they walked off? He said, I want to tell you, there's not anybody better than that man. There's not ever been a man born of woman that's better than him. He didn't condemn him. Humphrey Posey, it was neat. Again, I was reading about him, and it talked about how he... He dealt with doubts in his salvation at times. And he would doubt and he would worry about what God is doing. And God used him in a mighty way because he would take Satan back and say, shut up Satan, right here is my salvation. I want you to take a day. I want you to take even this afternoon and take your personal testimony and say, God, what have you done in my life? Go back and look at the day that you were saved. Now you might look back and not find out you don't have a day that you can point to. That means you need to have one. Yes, yes. But I want to tell you, I, I hate to hear, I hear so many times people say, you know, give your testimony. Well, I was saved in 1942, preacher, and they sit down because that's all they've got to say. Your testimony should end about 30 minutes ago. That's 
You should be able to tell people what, what God's doing in your life, what He's been doing all along. If you're saved of God, you're going to be a fruit maker. You're going to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yesterday we went, I, I tell you, I'm actually, I'm feeling a little better than what I thought I would. I thought you I was going to see a preacher stand here like this. As we went with the youth from Ochre Hill to DuPont the other day, or yesterday, and went and saw three different waterfalls. We went up to the picnic area where you can see High Falls. What a beautiful, gorgeous place that is. And my wife, we were all getting ready to leave, and there was a lady. Some people come up and ask my wife to take her picture. And my wife took pictures. She said, isn't God good? Isn't it amazing that our Lord could make that? you know what that lady said? I guess somebody did. Wow. Pray for that lady. But you know, my wife didn't have any more opportunity to tell anything to her. But... She got to testify to her that God is our Creator. That's my wife's testimony. It didn't end years ago when she got saved. It ends yesterday when she shared Jesus for a moment with a lady on the trail at DuPont. You're, you, you need to have those stones and tell people, here's what God's done in my life. So don't forget your history. Don't forget the church's history. Don't forget your personal history with God. He's moving in a mighty way. But that's where we fail so many times. We've got to look to the future. Look in verse 10. For the priests which bear their ark stood in the midst of the Jordan till everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that the, uh, Moses commanded Joshua. They followed the leadership to God's chosen field. They messed up one time, didn't they? When God said, I want you to go into the promised land, and they said, whoa, we can't do that because we've got too many things going on. And those people are big, Lord. We can't do it. The cities are too, too powerful. But this time they said, we're going to do it. And they followed the leadership. They followed those priests right in the middle of that water, and they followed them into the promised land. So you need to follow your leadership. Pray for your leadership. Let them know that you're praying for them. I encourage them. If they ask you to serve, serve. But we need to follow God's leadership. Now look at the last part of verse 10. And the people hasted and passed over. They moved on quickly to the promised land. They weren't going to mess up this time. It took them 40 years to get there. They weren't going to mess up. Guys, here's the deal. They didn't use these Baptist words. we never done it that way before. Guys, that's one of the, the worst things that will hold a church back. You're going to have to do things different because God's always wanting you to do things different because we get set in our ways. I heard a, a funeral director, I was talking to him one time, he said, Gerald, you know what a rut is? I said, what? He said, it's a grave with no end. How many churches are in a rut? Because they're just happy where they are. And the leadership steps up and says, we're going to do it this way. And go, well, I ain't never done it that way before. We resist what God's got for us. He said they hasted and passed over. When God, when you're sure it's God's will, just take off running and go. Because God's going to do a mighty work. Then in verse 11, And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priest in the presence of the people. I want to tell you, they did not leave God behind. We've got some churches, we've got some preachers, some, uh, some Christians that want to leave God behind because He might hold them back. I know of one preacher in this county, but he's not in this association, and he won't be as long as I'm around. I've got, I can show you the video where he preached, told these college students it was okay to drink alcohol. 
He said, oh yeah, it's okay, just go ahead and drink alcohol, that's fine. And the next Sunday, they'd ask him if homosexuality was wrong, he told them, he, he, he wouldn't even tell them. His whole sermon for 45 minutes was, I've got sin in my heart, so I can't tell you. i got sin in my heart, I can't judge you. You know, i got sin in my heart, and I can't judge you either, but I can show you in the Word of God where it does. He's left God behind because it makes for more numbers. They didn't leave God behind that day. They made sure the priest came on over with them. You look at chapter 5, I wish I had time to go with you there, but look at chapter 5 there in verse 2. They, they had the circumcision. It says for the second time. Guys, they had forgot God for 40 years, what God had said about circumcision. They had forgot it for 40 years. So they got there. They didn't leave God behind. They said, we're going to have a revival. We're going to have a circumcision party. And verse 10, it says the children of the Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover in the 14th day of the month at even. Uh, in the plains of Jericho. So they, they stopped and they made sure they had Passover because they were not going to leave God behind this time. Verse 12, it said, The manna ceased in the morrow after they'd eaten of the old corn of the land. They had not left God behind. He told them, when you get into the promised land, you're going to start eating the promised land food, not this manna that I've had to give you all these years. But oh, let me, let me show you one last one. They did not leave God behind. Verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, Art thou for us or our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on, the face, on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of the host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from thy a foot for for place wherein thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. He met Jesus that day. Amen. Remember your past. Remember the past of this church. Remember the leaders God's given you in the past. Remember the past that God has given and how He's moved in this church. I love it that you know y'all's testimony didn't end. Y'all talking about yesterday, yesterday morning at breakfast time. I, I, oh wow! Hallelujah but look to the future. Pray for your leadership in this church right now. Pray for it constantly. Let them know. Encourage them. Move quickly with them. When, when you see that they're following Jesus, follow them. But don't ever leave God behind. As soon as a leader or anybody starts leaving God behind and starts saying, hey, let's go chase this pretty thing. Say, no, no, I'm done with you. No, we're not going to follow them anymore. And I wrote this down because I think God gave it to me and I'm not that smart. I'll probably forget it. So I wrote it down. Remember your past, but don't live it. Remember your past, but don't live in it. Now listen to this one. The church is in trouble when it has more history than it does dreams. Don't wallow in your history. Use it to springboard. The church is in danger if it has more memories of the past than it does visions of the future. Look to the future. God's got amazing work for you guys. God ain't through with you yet. You've been here since 1835. You've been here longer than the association. You've been here longer. I, I was trying, I meant to look it up. See, you might have been here longer than Jackson County. God's not done with you yet. God's going to do mighty work. More than you can think or imagine, guys. 
Remember your past, but look to the future. Because God's got an awesome future for you guys. You're going to end a different way. I'm not going to have an invitation, but I do want y'all, your deacons to come forward. I want you guys to come up here. I want y'all to stand right up here. And I want you guys to surround them as much as you can this morning. Right up here. You guys, come on up. And I want y'all to surround them. We're going to have a prayer for them. Because they need your help. They need God's help. And I've already seen that. They're going, hey, we're helpless. We need help. We, they need your prayers. I'll surround them this morning. Place your hands on them. And let's pray for these guys. As they seek to serve you and serve, serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lord God, we come today and we just ask, Lord, we beg from You today. We just plead with You, God, that You would be with these men as they seek Your face. Lord God, they know that they need You and that's the first step. Lord, we ask that You would be with this church, that You would just call them up to surround these men with prayer, that they would just comfort them, Lord, that they would just encourage them. God, we ask that your, your wisdom be poured out on all of us. Lord, as they look to a new future. God, one that is different than what they've seen before. God, let them remember their past, but also look to the future. God, let them just trust in you and you alone. Lord God, we just uh, we trust, Lord, that you're going to move in a mighty way in this place. Lord, we come this morning remembering our past but looking to the future. Lord, we look to You to do mighty things because You are a mighty God. We ask that You'd be with the leadership here, that they would always keep their focus on You. Let the church follow them as long as they're following You. God, we come today and we pray in Your precious, holy, and righteous name. Lord, the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.